2: of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar, out in Canmore. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your first order. Coming up on today's show, we are recapping real live hockey games, and it was as good on the ice as you could even imagine. A no-doubter for Nodak. Johnny Tyconic got his feet wet in a new uniform and a whole lot more. Then we've got former Senator Christoph Schubert on the show, part one of our two-part interview with him. He got some great stories. Some of them you have to wait till tomorrow, but he gets into what he's been doing after hockey, his thoughts on Tim Stutzla, the next young German in the senator system, and a whole lot more. Plus, some R-E-S-P-E-C-T for JBD. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team. Every day. Today is Thursday, December third, and Pilsy. Let's start this show off just like Tyler Clevin with a bang.
1: And Ross, not just one bang. How about two? Uh, like I said it on the last pod. What I want to see from Tyler Clevin is him being an absolute bully out there and two minutes into the game he absolutely rocks a guy in in his own end in the corner and then he's kind of playing uh, up the ice a little more than I would, would have liked a guy like Tyler Clevin to but his second hit he makes in the neutral zone near the opponent's uh, blue line like this guy was all over the ice and If I'm any player, especially a small, speedy, skilled winger on Miami, I'd be scared coming down that wing for Tyler Clevin. So that's exactly the kind of things I want to see him dominating in this level. And I thought he wasn't too bad with the puck. I thought his skating was better than most scouts um, really graded him for. And I think we're going to see some nice showings from Tyler Clevin here.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the skating because his physical attributes, nobody's going to take that away from him. but. You just mentioned how much ground he covered there with a nice pivot to boot, gets the puck. So he he starts out as he was defending a one-on-one rush. Player tried to cut a bit to the outside. He he kind of poke-checked it away and then made sure to finish him. He goes flying into the boards. Not only does he separate body from puck, which you like to see, then he picks it up and starts trotting out of the zone like he's Eric Carlson. Like, holy, slow it down. But in the second hit, let's be honest, he was going to lose control of the puck. But – that's a good presence of mind. You know you're going to lose control, so get between yourself and the attacking player on the other team. And with the momentum he has, at six foot four, over two hundred pounds, that was just a lesson in physics, where the bigger body is going to win that battle every time. And Nodak, we should say, talk about bearing the lead. Pilzey, a two nothing shutout win. And if it weren't for the tendy in the other net, this one could have been way worse.
1: Yeah, no kidding. They outshot Miami uh, absolutely, almost double. I think, probably, probably. Close, I think it was like nineteen to forty or something like that. So they were just dominating, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that about the second hit for Clevin because look. Everybody plays a different style of game. If you're a more skilled puck handling defenseman, maybe you don't go with that move like you were talking about, where you just you've lost the puck and you try to separate the player from the puck after. But that's Tyler Clevin's game. And he knows that he's not going to make a nice deke around him. He knows he's not going to skate on the far side to get by him. So what do you do? You lost the puck, separate that opponent from the puck with a big hit. That's how you do it. That's a different style of game. And I think it's gonna be fun to watch Tyler Clevin if that's how he's gonna keep playing going forward here in the pot.
2: One more note on Tyler Clevin. It was a shot that went wide, but talk about a booming slap shot in JBD who we're going to get to in a little while, said after the game, he could have the hardest slap shot he's ever seen. So a very raw and project, but Tyler Clevin making an impact in his first game. Nothing new for Shane the Bean Pinto. Two apples. Just another day at the office, man. He is so smooth in the offensive zone. You heard Brad Sloshman on this show say that he's in that Ovi spot on the power play, and he got an assist in that spot because they had to respect the shot. So then he just fires it over to Matt Kierstad. That opened the scoring.
1: Yeah, what a pass. And look, that's the nice thing about Shane Pinto being in that spot in the power play. He's a dual threat option, right? Like, he could easily, if he wanted to, try to skate in and get closer to the net and get a good shot off by himself. But he saw the defenseman was teeing up for a massive one-timer. He put it perfectly on a stick and no chance for the goalie there to open the scoring. Shane Pinto, I loved what I saw from this guy. Like, the 200 foot game was very apparent. He was good on the face-off dot. Like, I would say pretty much all the UND prospects for the Sens played their game to a T. Like we saw the the advantages they have in their skill set. And we saw them work on some of the disadvantages they had too. So this was a really good showing for Sens prospects here.
2: Another one of those Nodak Sens is Jacob Bernard-Docker. Just a reliable outing from him. No real hiccups in his game. Defensively smooth. Tape to tape every time. Even got a couple shots on net. So you love to see that out of JBD, and even more so what he did before the game. So it was Jesper Weatherby, his roommate, and Jacob Bernard-Docker who decided they were going to take a knee from the anthem, use their platform to shine a light on issues, and encourage others to begin or continue learning process in a conversation to demonstrate against racial injustices and inequities. Now, Weatherby and Jacob Bernard-Docker, both junior classmates and roommates, You'll remember going back to the Black Lives Matter March in Grand Forks after the killing of George Floyd. They were right there front and center. They're also both members of the UND student athlete inclusion and diversity group. So talk about just a high character guy the Sens are getting in JBD.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, we we see an yet another example of Sens prospects having good character and really, really doing what they can to support their community. And Quickly, before we get more into um, all that off-ice stuff, I just want to say, yeah, like you said, JBD on the ice, classic example of a guy you don't notice much, but that's for good reasons. He's just always doing the simple, smart plays. He's not taking risks. He's not not pushing the play too hard or too fast. He's just so even-keeled out there. So I thought it was a nice showing by JBD. And now, too, before the game, a lot of respect for this guy like only two guys on their entire team decided to do this and i'm not saying the the other players are deciding strictly against it but it's still it takes it, it takes a lot of courage to do that kind of thing and really put yourself out there like jbd has done and i thought this was a big deal for a couple reasons here let's not forget umd they made I would say probably a questionable decision when deciding to bring in Mitchell Miller, who was exposed as being a racist bully and not doing anything to change that. And that probably puts a little bit of a stain on UND saying, look, your, your players aren't aware enough of what's going on. JBD, not the case here. Like they watched a racial justice documentary and really tried to learn and gain a better understanding of the world. And he was really affected by this and he wanted to make a difference. And, like you said, he's hoping that him and his teammate kneeling during the national anthem will shed some light on all the racial injustices. And he, this is a Canadian kid. Like, he, he's doing this in support of um, problems in a country that he's living in now, the United States. But that's not, he's not from there. But yet, yet he's still trying to make a difference in that community. So I think that's, that's an incredible thing for JBD. And stick taps to him and uh, the, the whole UND program for trying to change here and trying to get better.
2: Yeah, JBD also noted that he has two grandparents that served in the military. It was no sign of disrespect. I thought it was great that they went out to to Brad Sloshman and told him the night before exactly why they're doing it, so nothing gets lost in the midst there, especially in the Dakotas, which I think are typically pretty right leaning. So good on JBD standing up for what's right, and a guy who's going to learn from JBD for years to come is Jake Sanderson. Great debut, his first time in a real hockey game. Since being drafted fifth overall, your thoughts on his game? Look, this is
1: another example of uh, Sen's prospect at UND showing us exactly what we expect from them. He did all the things we know he can do. He was responsible with the puck. He was able to do those little things right to transition the puck out of the zone. Like, sense Prospect, uh, he did a great job clipping all these little plays. Because sometimes with the highlights, uh, if you didn't catch the game, you only get the goals and the big plays. You don't get those little defensive plays. But he showed a nice clip of Jake Sanderson in his own end. Just being responsible with the puck, lifting sticks, get chipping it off the boards and out. Like Just a great showing from Jake Sanderson and we've all all been kind of questioning what's his offense like. He had a couple good chances, three shots on net, and the one chance he kind of caught the goalie off guard on a bounce behind the net, and he had a real chance of sneaking that one in. So um, for Jake Sanderson's college debut, I was pretty impressed.
2: Yeah, he also didn't have a problem pinching, I noticed, a couple times during the cycle in the offensive zone. If he saw there was no weak side coverage. He was quick to just sneak down to the hash mark and kind of wait for for a treat to pop out if the puck happened to get his way. He was going to be ready for an offensive chance. So people saying that yeah, he's reliable but maybe doesn't have that offensive impact and won't make it. I think you're going to be proven wrong in a hurry. Oh, speaking of being proven wrong, we didn't note this on Shane Pinto. Have a look at the tweet the Sens put out the day they drafted him. The replies are golden. Absolutely. Golden. Talk about eating your words. Never have a hot take on draft day. I think that's great, fair to say. Uh, speaking of Jake Sanderson and Alex Heiner, great call, man. I love this guy on play-by-play, friend of the show. You can listen to his NCHC pod preview on Tuesday's episode of the Locked on Senders podcast, but he had, he had a great bit of reporting that he just snuck in. Looks like Jake Sanderson will play three games with UND before heading to the U.S. camp. Yeah, and I mean,
1: at least we get three games of him, right? And I think Coach Brad Barry will be excited about that, especially since the next upcoming game that Jake Sanderson's going to be in is against big-time rivals, Denver.
2: Denver's going to be hungry, too, because they were up one nothing going into the third period of their game last night against Minnesota-Duluth. They conceded two goals in 48 seconds and ended up losing that game. But that's a battle between number one and number two. So get your popcorn out for Friday night because that's going to be a hell of a hockey game.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a battle of two uh, massive championship contenders in this division. And if it's any indication uh, how the last games have went between – top teams like minnesota duluth and denver i think this is going to be another good one to watch and i'm so stoked to get into college hockey like this is the first year really that i've paid attention to college hockey and it's good quality hockey especially since it's kind of the only thing we got right now i'm definitely diving into this uh this pod for college hockey
2: yeah all this great hockey being played and we haven't even touched on johnny Tychonic's omaha debut but before we talk about another future senator's blue liner Let's get to our conversation with the former Ottawa Senator, Christoph Schubert, kind enough to join the show. He's now officially a friend of the show. I mean, we're talking at the end about grabbing beers next time he's in Ottawa. So all-around good guy, Christoph Schubert. But before we get to him, let's tell you about Bilt Bar. Because Bilt Bar, it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar that comes in 16 amazing flavors. Half have nuts, half don't. That's eight each if you're scoring at home. Big math guy here. And I can do some simple math here too. All bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. You can have it with your breakfast if you want to have that little extra kick and make it feel like you're having dessert. They're soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain your weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie and low in sugar, yet high in protein and high in fiber. You know that as the nutritional grand slam. Now let's get to Pillsy's Pick of the Week.
1: For my pick of the week this time, I'm going with a, a nice baked product flavor, Banana Nut Bread Built Bar. Just, you get the nice flavors of banana in there, plus the nuttiness. And it's it's just, you guys know, the texture is so soft, so, so nice to chew on. And hey, you want to spice it up a little, get the 12-day Advent Calendar from Built Bar. Every day you get a new flavor. It's like those chocolate calendars you see. So that's a fun little idea Built Bar is doing. Get your Built Bar today.
2: Wow, I am shocked you didn't go back to your German chocolate cake as we have Christoph Schubert coming up. But go to Biltbar.com, see all the great flavors available and Bilt It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to Biltbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's Biltbar.com. Promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your first order. All right, here it is. Part one of our chat with Christoph Schubert. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, a now recurring guest. He joined us way back in the making sense of the Sens games. He has 315 NHL games under his belt, most of them with your Ottawa Senators. He's a two-time Olympian, and now he joins us on the show. It's Christoph Schubert. Welcome back. How are you doing today? Wonderful. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're doing really well. We wanted to get you on to catch up because the last time we spoke, you were undecided on your own hockey career. How is retirement going? And more importantly, your health. It was your shoulder, right? Why you had to stop playing? The shoulder is still uh, messed up.
0: I still can't play anymore. So I do my coaching license right now here in Germany. And uh, that's a lot of fun. And um, obviously, I'm still looking for a job somewhere I can – you know, give my experience out to the kids or for the the boys. And no, this is uh, basically what I'm doing now.
1: That's awesome. So what is it about uh, coaching that you wanted to get into? What are the things that you're hoping to help these young German players improve on?
0: Well, the thing is, I never thought at the beginning when I was still playing that I might be able to be a coach because I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to be more on the GM side. But the story is when, when the Hamburg freezers got shut down, then I, I started a new team. I wanted to keep hockey in Hamburg. So I was being a player and I helped in the management to basically to keep this team in, in the city. And I did that for three and a half years. Then I got my uh, shoulder injury and uh, I've done it. So the hockey team is really improved now. They, the, the city knows them, so I know what i did and i helped them out a lot and then i started when i was injured i was being on the ice with the head coach and then i saw how how the guys wanted to get better and for me it was like if you want to listen to me i can help you out i can make you better and i saw how the guys that got the the lights in their eyes and they, they saw oh, my God, okay, it really works, and Shubi is right. And they came back on the bench. They had a smile on their face, and I was like, this is awesome. So this is what I keep saying, and then to myself too. I think this is maybe more the thing I, I want to do. I want to help the guys out. And it doesn't have to be junior, even if it's in the professional side. I know this game. I know how it works. I can communicate with the boys. I know how they talk and, you know, those little things that make a big difference now. And I really enjoy it. In Germany, you got to do your licenses. So I'm in the middle of doing it right now. I was able to go with the under 20 uh, national team once. And it was really, really good for me. It was a really nice experience. And I saw the boys, what the the next future is. So I really enjoy it. And this is why I want to
2: be next. That's amazing. And it's a perfect time because the German hockey system just keeps improving And improving. We'll get to Tim Stutzla in a moment, but I want to continue. I mean, and by the way, the Hamburg Crocodiles, you guys need to sell some more merch because that logo is awesome. I I love it. The green, the red, it just pops as well. And you did a great job keeping that there. Funny you mentioned the head coach because the head coach's son is now Tim Stutzla's teammate. Which I mean, there's just connections all over the place in German hockey. When it comes to the World Juniors, obviously the Sens fans, we're going to be really excited to see Stutzla and the German team. Do you have a name? Because Stutzel wouldn't tell us. He's too much of a leader. He, uh, one of these younger kids who maybe we should keep an eye on up and coming. I don't want to put any pressure on the boys. <laughs> that's, that's like a true coach. Hey, you're the perfect coach, too, because you played forward. You mm-hmm. played defense. Would you be – you're more of a defenseman, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm yes. more of a defenseman. But this is exactly it. Like, I've played it all. I've been in every situation basically, and I maybe the thing back in the day in Ottawa, I wasn't really too pleased with this whole kind of thing. If I think back now, that was the best thing what Brian Murray ever did to me to put me out there. And he's like, "Go! I want you to play because I know what you can bring with your speed, with your shot. You're gonna, you're not shy playing the body and this and that." If I look back now, that was the best decision basically what I had, what what was taken for me. To put out there so now i want to give it back so now i had the probably the best coaches out there really pushed me to make me a better player and a better person on the ice and off the ice but this is what i want to give back now and this is my goal and i don't care where it is if it's in germany if it's in sweden uh, switzerland if it's in canada you know what just somebody gives me a chance and i know i will bring everything i can because I have so much passion for this game. I know how it works. I know how to like I just said, you gotta be able to talk to the boys these days. The game's changed. You gotta be able to talk to these guys and get them close. It's not just the coaching group over there and you got the players over here. You gotta be connected. And if you are not connected and it starts with the management, the front office, all the way down to the coaching staff to the team, they all gotta stick together. And if you see the last couple of years, the teams that won championships or Uh, the Stanley Cup you never hear any issues out of these teams if it's from the management all the way down obviously there's the success behind it but like even if you have like a a down road and it doesn't really work that well the way teams is going to play they're going to stick together nobody's backstabbing anyone but this is exactly what you need these days
1: I think you went the right route with uh, coaching, Shuby, because, yeah, you get to be with the boys. You get to chat with them. You get to have fun, whereas if you're a general manager, it's a little more businessy. You you have to make those tough calls, trades, cuts, all that kind of stuff. So so I think it's a little more rewarding for a hockey guy like yourself to be on the ice with these kids. And I want to ask you, we've seen a massive rise in the development of young German hockey players, and you're a part of that development as uh, an aspiring coach. What can you tell us about the changes that Germany's made to developing the young players that has caused this recent success?
0: Well, the German uh, national team, kind of, they started up, it uh, must have been five years ago. This, uh, it's called Power Play 26. And uh, they really wanted to develop German coaches. And they're going to start when they're really, really young. So it was a big transition they did back in the day. But it's gonna, you can see the last draft, you can see the last couple of years with the silver medal and everything. It's improving. It, it really works. On the other hand, if I look at the DEL, the highest uh, league in Germany, for me personally, there's still a couple too many imports are I'm playing. It's still 50 50. So it is harder for the young kids to come to make the next step in the DEL. You can't always have Seyders, Stützler, Reichels, JJ Terka. You, you don't have those kind of years. The last time we had this was that was my age. When we had Christian Ehrhoff, we had myself, we had Dennis Seidenberg, we had Marcel Gauch. We had t- over 10 years of span. Sometimes we had one guy. Sometimes we didn't have anyone at, at all. So why is that? So we need to have more of these kids to give them the opportunity to play in the best league in Germany. Out of there, you're going to be able to make the national team. Out of there, maybe you're going to get the chance to go overseas. Even if it's the AHL, maybe in the NHL, maybe you get the draft. But the kids got to play. So right now we still have, I don't know, 10 guys in Germany, like imports and 10 Germans. Okay. But that's 10. Times 14, that's 140 kids right there. you got to make these kids play. Give them the opportunity. Make them trust these kids that they're going to be able to play. I'm not saying to cut them all down. I, I'm not saying that. But why not go eight, seven, whatever? But that's at least three more opportunities for, for younger guys to get the ch- uh, chance to be on the ice, play power play, pay uh, PK the five-on-five situations, the last five minutes, to get them the, com- uh, the confidence that they're going to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, because you look at it, and if it's a situation, and Tim mentioned that there's younger players, that you have to have a certain amount of younger players on the team. And that's a good step, but they're going to be on the bench at the end of a game. And like you said, the only way you can develop in those situations is to have the proper ice time. And we're not just talking about the Stutzlas and the Moritz Siders of the world who are top six NHL picks. But this is for your your J.J. Paterkas, like you mentioned. If you're a second, third, maybe even later on in the draft, you still need those reps. And it happens with the top guys, too. Like, Stutzla was there this year. Do you think he could benefit from one more full year in the DEL before coming over? Oh, tough call. If you
0: look at him, how he played last year in Manham, that was unbelievable. Like, honestly, it was unbelievable. Like, this kid can play hockey, but he needs to have the confidence. And in Manham, he had it because – he knew all the surroundings around him. He knew how the team works. He knew like, the, the practice facility. He knew the city. He, that was a lot easier for him. On the other hand, he had the confidence on himself. He's like, you know what? I'm good. I know I can play. But... And he had a coach with Pablo Gross. He put him out there, and he let him play. And it was the same two years ago with Moritz Sider. They got the opportunity, and they took it. If I look back in my first year of pro, I had uh, head coach, Sean Simpson, great coach. Back in the day when I started, we had, let me lie, 15 imports and maybe seven Germans. So one guy got hurt. Sean Simpson put me out there. They didn't get a new guy. And I was 18 years old. And they threw me out. And it's the same as in the NHL. If you're going to get the opportunity, you got to take it. You got to perform. And he saw it. I worked hard. He saw that I work hard, and he got me the opportunity, and that he really got me there where, what, well, not where where I am right now, but he really pushed me to be that player where I was over my career, and uh, I'm really thankful for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, a good a good coach and a good opportunity will go a long way when you're a young player, that's for sure. And like you said, Tim Stutzler, he had those opportunities in Mannheim. If he does return to Mannheim this season with the way that the DEL is shaping up, how do you think the Eagles will do this year? Like, are they poised to have a really good season with Timmy on the team?
0: They always have a good team. Them, like Mannheim and uh, Munich probably they're on the top two right now over the last couple of years and they deserve to be up there. And then uh, obviously you're going to have your surprises, but no, but if you want to talk to the best two teams right now in Germany, there's for sure Mannheim and Munich. And then uh, there's a little, little space underneath.
2: Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, Tim potentially staying one more year in Mannheim. Is that so that it takes him a year longer to get past you as the most (laughs) established German Ottawa Senators player? No, I want him to play
0: in the show. Like, honestly, because he's going to deserve it. And he, but he showed that he's going to be capable of doing it. I just hope that whenever he gets over to Ottawa, and I know this city, and I still go over there a lot, I still have my, my friends over there, I visit them a lot, and I keep following the sense. And I know how the city works, and I know everything. So I just hope that he's going to stay calm, there will be a lot of pressure on on him and i hope he can handle it because he's such a nice kid i don't want him that there will be too much on him because he's the first rounder he's a third overall pick and there's going to be high expectations on him but i just hope that the that everyone in ottawa just let this kid improve if he he will make a lot of people smile he will make a lot of people happy but don't, you never know how it's going to work when he gets over there. How, with the smaller eyes, with the adjustments, it is a different game in, in, on smaller eyes than big eyes. But let this kid improve. Let him show what he is capable
2: of doing, and then he will make a lot of people happy. Stay tuned for part two of our conversation with former Sens defenseman Christoph Schubert. Now let's talk about another senators defenseman but this time Johnny Tyconic man he is uh, all over the ice I guess I'll say
1: I think it's very apparent that Omaha has given him the green light like this I think he's like their main offense output like he was just any chance he had to take a shot didn't matter if he's in the corner of the of the offensive zone right at the blue line and there's three defensemen in prior two defensemen and more opponents in front of him he's he doesn't care he's trying to get that shot through and look this is going to be interesting for Johnny Ticonic like he went from being healthy scratch guy on bottom pair for pretty much all of last season to being the number one defenseman and main offensive option I think it's going to take a while for him to adjust and to realize he can't just play hero all the time and he can't try to do it all because we saw what happened when he tried to do it all at the end of the game there
2: do you remember the game roller coaster tycoon of course, I feel like he's gonna take us on a roller coaster tyconic for the next <laughs> year because hey, he said it himself. He's an outgoing defenseman. You oh, gotta yeah. let the kid play. But I mean, towards the end of the game, he was trying, he was pressing, but unfortunately, the puck ended up a couple times uh, in the back of his own net.
1: Yeah, and that's the issue there. He's trying to do too much. Like, and even like. It- I don't know. He just seems so distracted there at the end. Like a simple transition pass to his winger to break into the zone, completely whiffed on it. Uh, It's a turnover and it ends up in, in the back of his own net with the empty net. Like that, those are the kind of things that. I think probably at UND, he was trying to push and risk too much. And Brad Berry's saying, look, I got I got four or five other reliable defensemen that aren't gonna be pulling this stuff. I don't want you pulling that stuff. You're gonna sit on the bench, you're gonna sit in the bleachers even. So I think that was a that's a big lesson for Johnny Ticonic. And we're gonna see some major growing pains, I think. But hey. It's going to be exciting. Like At least like I would rather him try too much on offense and make mistakes but also um, get rewarded sometimes rather than him play a passive game because we haven't got to see a lot of Johnny Tyconic. And with Omaha games, we're going to be seeing a whole lot of them now.
2: Omaha losing their first game in the pod, 5-3 to Minnesota Duluth, who has two wins in two games. They're the only team that has played multiple games and no points yet for Senators' sixth-round pick, Luke low height. good thing we have so many players to talk about in the nchc pod Pelzi, because uh we already talked about how the queue is extending their long break so no max Gwinnett for a little while and turns out we won't be seeing rock and robbie arventi or vitalia bramov for a little while either unfortunately
1: or lassie thompson i know he often gets forgotten in that trio but yeah that's it's real unfortunate. And what a, what a kind of flipping fortunate, uh, I mean, it's not fortunate that this happened, but at least we got college hockey ramping up because we were surviving on sends Sens in Europe for like a month here. So for them to go on a break, the queue to go on a break, it's great that we got this um, NCHC pod. And and here's the thing, like, I don't, I don't know why leagues aren't, aren't figuring this out. The best way to do this is the pods. The pods are successful. The bubbles are successful. The leagues that try to push and and really uh, risk not doing a pod, we're seeing the results. So I think it. I'm so glad that UND is in a pod to start the season and that we're going to get to see these games played safely and not going to have to worry about postponements and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm just reading as well, 30 minutes ago, there's been a positive COVID test within the Boston University Terriers, so a team that's not in the pod. And their season opener was originally scheduled December 5th. It's now been canceled. So unfortunate, but kind of expected. We're, every day is a day closer to a vaccine, though, and a return to some sort of normalcy. Hey, if you're the Sens, Pilsy, would you just say, Lassie, come over. Like, start skating in Ottawa. You're coming over to Belleville. Whenever the season gets started, they're trying to start in early January. Well, the AHL at least has a date that they're trying to start for, and I think we know that's where Lassie's starting. Because if I'm Ottawa, I'm saying, Lassie, Let's get over here. Let's get you acclimated back to North American hockey. It clearly hasn't gone the way he wanted to. And I'm leaving Robbie out of this because I'm assuming he's going to be joining the world junior team in about a week. So he'll get to play. But if I'm the sense, not only Lassie, Vitali, it's time to come back home.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I understand your thinking there. I think for Lassie, that would be kind of the one exception for me that maybe you want to keep him there. Because, sure, it hasn't gone the way you had hoped with Lassie Thompson. Definitely not. Uh, He's had some poor showings. But... I think you try to try to get him as much ice time as possible. And yes, the COVID situation is not great, but I I think try to get a couple more games out of him. And when you got to bring him over, bring him over. I think Brandstrom, it looks like, is also going to stay in Switzerland for the time being. I saw a report that says he's not going to come back till probably after Christmas. So that's an interesting move there because Brandstrom is a guy I think doesn't need to show that he can uh, play over there anymore. And he's obviously going to be playing in Belleville, if not pushing for a spot in the NHL camp.
2: Well, Switzerland in the Alps, Christmas, I mean... It could be worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. So stay tuned for tomorrow's show. We've got part two of our chat with Christoph Schubert, which includes a couple unreal Dominic Hasek stories. Yes, you'll want to stay tuned for that. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team, every day.